Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I put the link bolt together exactly according to the instruction. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Somebody's yelling at their phone right now. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I'm this huge martyr. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. It's the, I said no, and somehow I'm still on this committee. No. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about getting better at saying no. So I got thinking about this when we were talking to Meredith Masony a couple of weeks back about like, don't be the class mom. Why would you do that? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm always the class mom because... I get asked when other people don't want to do it and they know I'm the kind of person who'll say yes. I'm actually not doing it this year, but for the first time in a dozen years. And so it occurs to me that maybe you are pretty good at this already or not. It's interesting. I think that there are realms in which I'm pretty good at this, but there are other realms. When people come to me from a place of need, I am incapable of saying no. Like if someone's like, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, our house is vaguely uncomfortable. Can we just live in your house for 10 months? I would be like, (laughs) yes, you can. Okay, sure. Like I, if there's a very specific access point to me that I cannot say no to, and I have been in situations where I am overtaxing myself and getting into, and we can talk about this more, that like, I occasionally put myself into positions where I overdo things. And then I'm like, I'm the one who does everything. My story is that I'm this huge martyr. Yes. Horribly resentful. Right. Like I'm resentful. And the real problem is I should have just said no to begin with. And so it's an Achilles heel of mine, but it's really like an Achilles heel. Like I'm generally completely armored against it, but then I have this very clear Achilles heel on it where I'm just like, okay, yes, fine. Come move into our house. Let me give you my children. Here is a car. Like I just can't stand the thought of someone being put out and that person should be me. I feel like my problem around this is I do have a hard time saying no. And so my no's are so soft as to actually not totally be no. Like I was served on a board, like a nonprofit board for nine years. And it was time for me to leave because it just was time for me to move on. And they asked me to stay on on a volunteer committee. And I said, yes. Because I felt, I don't know why I said yes. Like I gave nine years of of my life to this nonprofit. It's okay for me to move on. But I just got an email from them the other day, like time for some meetings. And I just, I had this flash that amidst this COVID teaching from home, all, all the craziness we're doing, I don't have to say yes to this committee in year 11 of my commitment to them when I quit the board. So I said, no, I'm not coming. I'm dealing with some stuff right now. And I don't know. And I still said, now that I'm hearing myself say this, I still said, and I don't know when I'll be able to return, but I'll let you know, which is what I mean. I didn't say, like, never write me again. (laughs) Yeah. Chew your leg out of that bear trap, Amy. Get out. This is also, I feel like this is a revelation that I had maybe in my 30s that I've gotten more comfortable with, is that I had a tendency, this is like dating was a big thing like this for me. 
I would feel bad. There would be someone who would maybe ask me out who I was like, there's no possibility I like this person. Yes. But I would feel bad saying just, no, I don't want to go on a date. That seemed too mean. But then I would say yes. And then I would go out and be in a horrible mood the whole time because I was like, I don't want to be here. And then the person would like call me back and I would just be like, hi, but kind of like I was so mild and milk toast about it because I didn't want to be mean by saying no. And then in the end, I would end up being like, don't call me ever again. I don't like you click and I would be 10 times meaner than I would have been if I had just said a firm no to something I didn't want to do. And that's a cycle that I have that I'm breaking. But, you know, not to get dark, but there are men who don't take no for an answer, right? Like there are risks to saying no to the guy that you're really not interested in. And so we do feel like we have to soften it and not hurt somebody's feelings. And then, yeah, and then you get into these milk toasty like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in month six of this relationship. I'm not sure I'm that crazy about it. I mean, it's crazy, but we do sort of soften ourselves out of sometimes fear, I think. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's if it's fear of like, I'm actually afraid, that's one scenario. If it's fear of like, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings by saying no, but in a month, I will be screaming no in a very angry and upset way. It's just better to say no up front. And that's, I found that about these kind of commitments and that, you know, someone recently asked me to do something, be involved in something, and I really didn't want to. And I know that this person has a tendency to like ask 10 times. And so my first no was there is absolutely no way I could even consider doing that. But thank you for thinking of me. Like, I have gotten better about the very firm no up front rather than the 10th no becoming, I am really tired of you asking me this. Don't ever contact me again. Like, a very firm no right out of the gate is the best gift you can give yourself and often the person who's asking. And I heard this quote on Oprah, Amy, maybe 20 years ago, but it stuck with me. Anything that is said to you after you have said a firm no is a manipulation by the other person. Mm. And- It really has stayed with me. Like, I have said no, and now you are coming back. I say to my daughter all the time, the response to no is not please, because that's what she does all the time. Can I have a cookie right now? No, it's almost dinner time. Please? And I'm trying to break her of that habit. Like, I said no. You don't say please. You say okay. So there is a, um, an op-ed in the LA Times by somebody named Sarah Mendekick. I'm going to put this in the show notes because this is sort of what she was talking about. So she tells the story of being, of having a roofing contractor come over to the house to tell her how much it was going to take to replace the roof. And this guy was just kind of rubbing her the wrong way. And he tells her it's going to cost $14,000, but just for you, sweetheart, it'll be $10,000 or, you know, whatever. And she said, you know, I'm going to think about it, but I don't think so. And then this guy started getting really pressy with her. Like, are you telling me you don't care about your roof? Like, is your husband home? Because this is ridiculous, like really pressing on her. And she just in this moment, like went back to all the times that people didn't take no for an answer, the creepy experience she had in college, right? It all comes flooding back to her. And she basically has to yell at this guy like I said, no. And then, of course, what does he immediately do? Like, whoa, like, oh, okay. Like, you don't have to be like that. And she's like, yes, I do. I do have to be like that because I said no three times and you didn't listen to me. And, you know, he storms out thinking that she's a jerk and what she sort of learned about that from you should say no firmly. And she was trying to say, well, I don't know. And I'll see. And I have to think about it. And that just gave him more room to press. And make her feel uncomfortable. I think. And it is hard because, and we were saying this in our episode about everybody's doing this differently with coronavirus. And how do you deal with people who are like, God, Amy's so uptight. She just won't bring her kids to my, you know, wedding with the 900 people not wearing masks. Like, how do you deal with it? You just deal with the fact that people may think that you're not nice. You have to deal with the fact that people may think you're a bad person, but you have your own beliefs and like your no is your no and it's fine. And we have talked about previously on the podcast and I get it wrong, Amy. Who is it? Is it E.E. E. Cummings who wrote the letter? No. Last time I said it wrong. Who is it? It was E.B. White. E.B. White. Okay. Or did I say E.B. White and it was E.E. E. Cummings? It was E.B. White. 
No, it was E.B. White, because E.E. Cummings is kind of soft, and E.B. White didn't give a hoot if you ever hear him hear like recordings of his voice. Have you ever heard him read like Charlotte's Web, like he's smoking a cigarette the whole time? It's amazing. He didn't give two hoots about anything. Hilarious. No, but I love that. I will be looking that up. I will. It's so good. Please put that in the show notes. I'll be looking for that experience. But he got asked to be on, I think, a committee at a university, and he wrote back, I really appreciate your offer, but I cannot participate for secret reasons. Sincerely, E.B. White. And that is, it has become such a touchstone in my life. Like, I cannot participate in your panel. Well, right. For secret reasons. But I don't say for secret reasons, but the end of the sentence is I cannot participate in what you are asking. Well, let's go back to why this is a problem, because I think that this is a problem for women more than men, certainly for E.B. White. And I think there are some reasons for that. Can we sort of like talk about what that might be? Let's do it, Amy. All right. So there is a group called Girls Leadership. And the leader is somebody named Simone Marine. I hope I'm saying her name right. Oh, pretty so name. Girls Leadership. They teach girls self-advocacy and self-expression. Sounds good, right? We should have her on the show. She says that starting around middle school, see if this sounds familiar, that girls start to shy away from expressing authentic preferences in order to fit in. Correct. And that girls have a more pressure than boys to be excessively polite. And both of these things mean that girls have a harder time communicating their preferences than boys do. The only thing that I go to on this, because I genuinely don't know, is the basic question of what part of this is fixable. And I sometimes worry that we're like, and that's why we have to teach girls to be completely different than their nature. But is that true? I don't know. How fixable is this? It's an interesting question because I think that girls are taught to be this way. And I also think that we are a little more empathic and noticing of people's emotional reactions. And that's not necessarily something to be corrected and worked against, as you're saying. That's the trick, right? It's like, I think that sometimes some of the advice around this gets a little bit like we can fix this thing. And is it fixable or is it even desirable to fix? In many ways, it is. I think there is certainly teaching girls to own their no and to not do things that are uncomfortable. And I've talked about my own experiences around this and like, you know, going to my first party and ending up like driving some kids who I barely knew to like go buy alcohol, which I should have never been doing because I was just, there was no cell in my body that was capable of saying no to like a handsome lacrosse player there. It just did not exist within my being. Right. You didn't know how. I didn't know how. And he knew you didn't know how. Of course. And thankfully, from my experience, all they were saying was, you need to drive us to go pick up beer. But I mean, I don't know. I think about that so much, having a daughter now of, because I feel like my parents were pretty good on this stuff, you know, like pretty good on self-confidence, pretty good on all of these things. But could I ever at 16 have been a kid who was like, I won't do that because that is a bad choice. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, in these situations, I was that kid for sure, the people pleasing kid and I'm the people pleasing adult. I think I still have this, that I want people to like me, that I want to be like the best person in the dentist chair all day, right? The best flosser or the most polite person that the receptionist spoke to. We call this, my husband has this so badly, and it, it's in a bit of a different realm, but I always call him a student, you know, like he's like, oh, I put the light bulb together exactly according to the instructions. And I'm like, honey, there's no one hiring in our gold stars. Just get it done. Right, right. The supermarket, like I am scanning my groceries completely efficient and I am packing the cold stuff with the cold stuff as it comes back to me. You know, yes, I just try to do things well and I think that's who I am, but baked into that is some people pleasing. And then I found a, a coach called Natalie Liu. She looks very interesting and she talks about that her thing is getting people to stop trying to please other people mm -hmm. and, you know, learning to say no. And she says when your top priority is to be liked all the time, you're not in touch with what you need. And that's how your plate gets too full. And you got volunteered to be on the third committee. Right. And you're and we're all taking on 40 percent more as we were talking about last week. And that's how we get in that position. And we're missing out on 
the thing we need to do. Like I have agreed to do some volunteering right now, and it was a beautiful afternoon on Sunday, and I was supposed to stay inside and make phone calls for my volunteering. And it was a beautiful fall afternoon. There's not going to be so many more of those, you know what I mean? And I had to like tell myself, like, put this down, go walk in the sunshine. It's okay. You will make a few fewer phone calls, but your mental health and your vitamin D are worth making time for. Even though nobody was watching me, I still was like, mm, it's okay. Right. But there's someone watching you. There's internal Amy who's watching you and being like, you are falling down on the job, external Amy. Yes. I have an insight about this and I'm going to share it as soon as we come back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, this reminds me of advice that I turn to all the time from my mom, who was a therapist and talked about this in her practice a lot, which is, you can only address behavior. You cannot address who someone is as a person, right? So you will always, always be a people pleaser. I don't think that part of your personality is going to change. And I think I was destined to be a 15-year-old who was not able to say no to handsome lacrosse players. And that <laughs> I don't look back at that and be like, my parents didn't give me the right tools. Like They did literally everything they can. And so I think all you can do is say behavior, right? When I find myself overwhelmed, I need to check with myself about how many things I've said yes to. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When I find my 15-year-old is a person who I notice is very pleasing, I probably don't let her go unsupervised to parties, which by the way, my parents did not know I was at this party. So it's not all fixable. Right. But I think the goal of Let's make our kids immune to this. Let's make Amy a person who says no to every opportunity. They're not realistic. We have to look at the behaviors that are saying, okay, when you feel overwhelmed by your yeses, go take a walk in the sunshine. That seems to be the right approach. Yeah, you can put it all down for a while. But yeah, and I need a little more work to get myself to a, it's a yes to myself, just to get totally corny for a second. I am willing to back burner that stuff. I'm willing to skip the yoga class that I love if, you know, somebody needs me to stuff envelopes. You know what I'm saying? And you can't do that too often. I think that's true. But I also think I know I work in it when I'm not doing podcasting with a vulnerable population. And I know that in that realm and in that work, it is very hard for me to say no, because the stakes are pretty high. You know, if I don't go, things fall through. And these people who are already in pretty dire circumstances are more dire. And so 
one part of that is I need to watch the story, which is I'm the only solution and I'm the only person with my finger in the dam, you know? Yes. That's not as true as I make it in my mind. But the second part is that I have accepted that that is an area of my life where I say too many yeses, but it's something I've taken on. And if I get overwhelmed, maybe I have to recalibrate it. But I think you just have to work with the pieces of this that are actually fixable. There was a study that I found that I think is pretty interesting because it talks about moving towards fixability. It was a woman. She did this for her dissertation at Rice University. Her name is Catherine O'Brien. Good Irish girl, Catherine O'Brien. Let's trust her. Yes, exactly. Probably a cousin of ours. Probably. (laughs) She wanted to see whether women say no less than men in the workplace, in a professional situation. Okay, can I spoil this study? I haven't read it. The answer is yes, women say no less. But the answer is yes. So she wanted to be empirical about it and say, like, is this actually the case? So she did three studies. So the first study was, it studied the willingness of women and men to say no to something that they're asked to do at work. Result confirmed, women don't feel like they can say no. And that this relates to other personality differences. So, yes, they have a harder time saying no. I mean, I love you, Cousin Catherine, but that study, I mean, I could have done that for you. You could have known, but she did it. She's like, yeah, that's probably true, but she actually did it to prove, yes, it is true. So the second one was about the consequences of saying no. And that's where this gets tricky because there are consequences for women. That woman I was just talking about who had the roofer in her kitchen putting the full court press on her. You know, he left calling her a not nice name to his coworkers, I'm sure. Like, and there are consequences. And when it's a roofer in your kitchen, who cares? But at work, it's different. So the second study she did. So people in the study watched somebody who was being asked to take on an additional responsibility by their supervisor. Sometimes a supervisor was male or female, and sometimes the person being asked was a male or female. And everybody who was watching showed a definite preference and said the worker who said yes to their supervisor is a better worker than the worker who said no to their supervisor. But of course, in particular, like the lowest ranked person by a mile was the woman who said no to a supervisor. The woman who said no to a supervisor was way below the man who said no. This is 100% true. My bestie from college is an attorney doing litigation, fairly contentious situation. And she says all the time that her usually older male opposing counsels say to her, she's like, if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, I have never been spoken to this way before in a deposition. And the translation is, I have never had a woman speak to me this way before. That has happened a million times to those dudes. But they are genuinely outraged that a young woman is speaking up for her client against them. And it is This is the kind of stuff that I feel like it's complicated because it becomes, you know, we are treated differently and people are like, I don't really see it. But guess what? I see it. Yeah. No, we are. So there are consequences. And so you have to deal with those. And so in other words, it makes me feel a little bit better because you're not crazy to feel like you have to say no carefully because you will be penalized at work more than a man might per this study. For sure. And I think that women do this as well, right? I know that when I say no to stuff, it's, you know, it. women take it hard too. People saying yes is just an easier path fundamentally. And that's what makes it hard. Yes. Saying yes is an easier path for literally everybody except internal Amy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's an easier path for external Amy. It's an easier path for all the people you said yes to. It's just a harder path for internal Amy who actually has to like sit in on a nice day and do the work and doesn't want to. You know, Brene Brown talks about she has a ring on her finger and when somebody asks her to do something, she turns the ring three times before she answers because it just gives her time to move past the people pleasing. Sure, no problem to do I want to do this? Do I have time to do this? Am I brave enough to say no to this? She just gives herself that pause. And I think that's effective. And I should probably get one of those rings. But also it shows like it isn't easy to do this at all. I think it's also a good strategy. And this is something I've done for myself. I say all the time with kids, make yes your default answer. Can we have ice cream for breakfast? Yes. Why not? They ask once a month. I'm fine with it. Like, try to find your yes with kids. But as an adult, I have tried to make no my default Mm. answer. And it's a good starting point. Like, hey, do you want to join this committee? My default answer is no. Let me look and see if I can convince myself, if I can find the time, if I can take that on. 
but I have set no as my default and it's helpful. There is a an article written by somebody named Samantha Radocia. She is like a blockchain whiz. Do you know anything about blockchain? I mean, I'm old. I've literally never heard the phrase before in my life. Yeah. It's like imaginary money, you know? <laughs> I don't know. She's a young tech whiz. So she talked about it. I won't get into what blockchain is, but I really like this differentiation she made. But like, what is it in general? Is it a food? Is it a idea? What is it? It's like pretend income. It's like imaginary, like you're exchanging pretend currency. Like an economic concept, sort of. If somebody's yelling at their phone right now. If you know what blockchain is, you know, come tell us. You can <laughs> We'll have you on the show. I mean, okay. Or don't. I think maybe I'm fine not knowing what it is. It's okay. Yeah. I say no to you telling me what blockchain is. Let's just keep moving. It's some tech whiz. But she says that when, so this is like a, you know, 20 something woman trying to get ahead in the workplace. She says that often when we say no, we're afraid to say no because we're afraid of missing out. Like, I'm not going to get that promotion. If I don't say yes to my boss that I can take this on and stay here till two o'clock in the morning, I will never get ahead. I'll never make partner. I'll never get tenure, you know, whatever is people might be chasing, right? Yes. But if in, she suggests that you move from the fear-based thing to an abundance-based thing, and then it makes it easier to say no, she argues, because then it's like, mm, I could take on this committee, but then I might not have enough time to do the thing that's coming that I don't even know about yet that I will really want to do. So that if you sort of operate from a place of abundance, this is in the workplace, then you don't have to be so scared of saying no, because you are making room for the better thing. Yeah, it's another way to think of it. And I think it's a good anything that helps your no. I don't really believe that there is anyone out there listening to this podcast who says no too much. Yeah. Maybe says no too much to, you know. They're not listening to this podcast. They said, I don't like podcasts. I don't listen to those. <laughs> How dare you? Those people are terrible. That's not who I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, most people say yes too often. Yes. Almost all women say yes too often. And so, you know, if you're saying no to like, I can't go on vacation because my kids will miss me. I mean, yes, there are a million versions of this, but Generally, finding your no is a skill worth working on. So I didn't even tell you about the third study that our Irish friend Catherine O'Brien from Rice University did. All right, Catherine, I'll give you another chance. I wasn't wowed by that first study, but you are a cousin, so... So, yeah, so the first one was just, do women say no less often? Yes, we do. Do women get punished for saying no more often? Yes, we are. Part three was she had men and women keep a diary for two weeks in which they noted every time they received a request and whether they said yes or no to that response, they just had to write it down and what they responded. The participants said that the act of writing it down and noticing the request and their response made them feel much more comfortable saying no, and they started saying no more often. That's a great... Catherine, you've redeemed yourself in my eyes 100%. Yeah. That is a great exercise to do. Yeah. And I think also another exercise to do is practicing your no phrases. You know, I have found that I really... It's E.B. White has changed my life. I have practiced the thing of, I say, I'm afraid I absolutely cannot even consider doing that period. It stops people from doing the, but please, it's like, I have been pretty clear that the answer is 100% mm -hmm. no. And I'm not great at always doing it, but I've gotten a lot better about being firmer when I do do it. Natalie Liu calls this like a hard no versus a soft no. Mm, that's a good way to think of it. And yeah, your hard no is like, is, you know, no, absolutely. I can't, you know, I, I'm dealing with too much on my plate right now, whatever. And a soft no, which is the kind of no I like to do <laughs> slash don't like to do. It's the hashtag Amy trademark. No, it's the I said no. And somehow I'm still on this committee. No, <laughs> oh, I do the same thing. Right. But she says even your soft no, keep it short. She says three sentences. I think that's probably too long. I think it needs to be five seconds. Yeah, I have been really turned off by this myself. I find, and I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be very honest, I find it much more off-putting from women because I am, you know, trained in those ways. I have asked people things, hey, could you help out with this project that is very important to me and I really need your resources? And people have written back very tersely, I cannot and I will not, and it's a no. And I think less of them and I don't like them. It makes me very angry at them. But 
I am advising people to do exactly that thing. It's hard. You have to separate yourself from the part where people are going to react negatively to it. Because like my lawyer friend, people don't like it when women say no strongly. And I don't like it. And when it's happened to me, like I can think of two exact examples where the women were well within their rights to say no, but I hold it against them in my heart that they said no to me because it hurt my feelings. I can think of one example recently where... Yeah, I asked somebody for a favor. Is it me, Amy? Yes. Her name is Margaret Babels. Margaret <laughs> Babels. Let's just air it out. It's interesting because like, can I just pick your brain? I have been on the receiving side of that request for, you know, as long as I've been a grown up. Can I just pick your brain about theater, podcast, whatever, right? How to write a book, whatever it is. Can I just pick your brain? And depending on how much I like the person, I will say Yes. This was somebody who I barely knew who was trying to get access to somebody very successful who I knew through me. And so I reached out to this friend who was very successful. Can this like, you know, third cousin of mine pick your brain? And this very successful woman wrote back to me and said, I will do this for you. I will give this person 15 minutes. I cannot give this person a job or an internship, so tell her not to even bother asking. And she needs to have her questions ready because I only have 15 minutes. And yeah, I was like blown back like the guy in the chair in that old ad for speakers, right? Like, what the heck? But it has stayed with me for years because, frankly, because I admire it so greatly. This is somebody who had to put very firm boundaries around her time in order to be successful at what she was doing. And I was kind of wowed by it. Yeah, but at the same time, I think a lot of our first reactions when we receive something like that is, who does this person think they are? Right. Oh, look at them. They've gotten so fancy. And like, that's a big part of this equation is somehow armoring yourself against the fact that like, because she's 100% right, 100% right to do it that way. Totally. You don't see the other part of her iceberg, which is the 10,000 times she gets asked this. For somebody's third cousin to pick their brain. Yes, like that. she could just do that all day. Yeah. To pick their brain. And she's got a really busy, important job already. And so in a way, she's being incredibly magnanimous to even say yes to it at all. But putting those boundaries around it does give you a little bit of that reaction of like, oh, someone thinks they're a big shot. It's like, she is a big shot. She is a big shot. That's right. And so she's got to manage her time. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. We'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. And now, your guide to saying no. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Your friend asks you to come hear her boyfriend's band, Hot Lightning, play at a club next Friday night. They go on at 11 p.m. and they really shred. You think to yourself, I guess I'll say yes now to be nice and then I can always call and cancel the day off. Instead, why not? Say that these days you change out of your daytime sweats into your nighttime sweats at 7 p.m. sharp and like to be settled into bed, no bra required, for a night of true crime by 8.15 sharp. Your boss at work asks you to be a real lifesaver and take home a project from work to get done in your free time. You might tend to respond. Sure, Bob. I always love to help. Instead, try. Sure, Bob. That sounds perfect. What time should I drop my kids at your house for you to feed, bathe, and get ready for bed? Oh, fair warning. The little one bites. The head of the PTA asks you to head up the fall decorating committee. You'll be tempted to say. Oh, um, gosh. I mean, my fall is pretty busy. My daughter, she ice skates. Um, can I maybe get back to you? Instead, try. Linda, the answer is no. The Fall Decorating Committee is a useless endeavor from top to bottom, and Susan, its leader, is a power-mad dictator. I decline vociferously and completely. Your husband is thinking it would be nice if his parents came to stay with you for the entire month of June. You'll be tempted to say. Oh, that does seem fun, but I wonder if it might get a bit overwhelming since we have no spare bedroom and your folks can be a dad extra sometimes. Instead, try. Do I need to take you to a doctor because you seem to have lost your mind. No one in this household, including your parents, would come out of that experience alive. Hard pass, hun. Hard pass. This has been your guide to saying no from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, so just like you, I loved that study that sort of pointed to that all you can do is keep a you know journal for two weeks about the times you get requests and whether you said yes or no, and just paying more attention to it makes this easier. So I wanted to talk about other strategies for making this easier because I think I found some good ones. I love it. Somebody said that you should just set a no goal that this week you're going to say no three times. I think that's a great idea for people who really struggle with this. Like it's no. Yeah. And Kristen Wong, she wrote an article uh, for the New York Times called Why You Should Learn to Say No More Often. I'll put that link in the show notes as well. She said, I love this one, practice being more aggressive with your nose when the stakes are really low. Like, would you like to sign up for a CVS card? I do not do rewards cards because I don't like that they collect my personal information. Like, whatever. Be a little extra aggressive to the telemarketer when the stakes are low. Practice it. Poor telemarketers do not need anyone giving you that advice, Amy. <laughs> no. Maybe try it on someone else who's not a telemarketer. Oh. I know. That. Just hang up. I don't have any problem. I, yeah, I just say I do not accept phone solicitations and hang up. That leads me to actually to another one. This was a really good one. Say I don't instead of I can't. This was another thing that Kristen Wong pointed to in her article. There was a study in the Journal of Consumer Research by Professor Vanessa Patrick. She found that by starting your no with I don't do that rather than I can't do that, it allows you to extract yourself from unwanted commitments more easily. Good one. I like it. So she asked people to sell magazines. She was half subjects in the study. Some were selling magazines and some were answering the pitch. And when the people answering the pitch said, I don't buy things over the phone rather than I can't, I don't have enough money right now. They were much more effective in getting their point across and the no was taken for an answer much more quickly. Yeah, because I can't, I don't have time. Oh, well, it's not that much time at all. Right. It's an entree to... Say, and this is like where Oprah's advice comes back, right? Even if you say, I can't, once you've said no, turn your thinking to now this other person is disrespecting and manipulating me. Yeah. You've said no. And so, because I think then you're like, 
often like the roofer guy or whoever it was who was fixing the lady from the LA Times's article it's like she's being drawn into like I've disappointed him I've let him down he's angry with me I must fix this right and she needs to remember the advice I said no and now he is trying to manipulate me and I don't deal with right. manipulation and what was interesting about that article, she's like, I did say no. I said no three times to you. But then if you go back in her own words, her first no was, well, OK, I'm going to think about it. Like, you know, she was trying to say no nicely instead of just saying no firmly. And everybody's nodding their heads. I mean, the amount of times where I'm like, I'm not sure I can come. I'll get back to you. It's like, why have I made this 10 times more difficult? Now I have to say no later. And this is like the classic thing, too, of you just say yes to things you don't want to go to. And then you say no two days beforehand and it's much ruder. Like you should have just said no in the beginning, you know? Yeah. And someone, what is it? Like sunk costs starts coming in too, right? Like, yes, I'll go to that concert. Now I've bought the ticket. No, I don't want to go. But now like there's so much, you know, blood on the field. I can't not go. Like just say no to things early that you don't want and you'll make your life a lot easier. Our friend Catherine Ridgway O'Brien, she said this is like the stuff that her subjects of their study that started. We've had a contentious relationship with her, Amy. I'm not sure she's our friend. Let's see how we do. She didn't thank us in her dissertation. Like she's going to be like, this whole podcast was about my study. She's been up and down with us. So anyway, this is the people in her study who started keeping track of their no's, right? After two weeks, they're like, I said no more often. I said no with a lot less compunction or is it more compunction less problem i don't know less problems doing it i don't know that or blockchain <laughs> blockchain is like bitcoin or am I, I might be completely confusing and conflating the two in my head okay not that that helps does that help you any what, do you know what bitcoin is <laughs> i mean kind of it's fake internet money i get it that's fine that's a category i can put it in fake internet money yeah exactly all right so the people in the study who wrote down no's more often they started to ascertain what was easy for them to say no to and the stuff that was easy for them to say no to is if it doesn't help my career, this is in the workplace. If it doesn't help my career, I'm saying no. If I don't like doing it, if I'm doing it out of guilt and if it's taking me away from things I really do enjoy, then I'm just going to say no. And those become sort of touchstones for yourself. I think it's good to think of those categories. This is something you have to practice in advance a little bit. And that's why I say come from a place of no. Like, you're saying yes too much, almost certainly. So make no your default because and then you can figure out like, oh, wait, does it now? Does it help my career? Do I enjoy doing it? Da, da, da. OK, maybe I can say yes to that. But I think that's a good starting place. I also think and this has been a contentious topic between us, Amy. This is a great place for our triangle. So as you know, I like to prioritize my life in a triangle shape. And Amy is not 100% sold on the triangle as a metaphor. Yes, we'll have a whole episode about the triangle, about different triangle metaphors. But go ahead. For me, the triangle is there's only a little bit of room at the top of the triangle. And so, Amy, what kind of triangle is that? Three equal sides and three equal angles. Equilateral triangle. Equilateral triangle. That's what I'm talking about. It's made of Bitcoin. Just imagine it floating in the air. <laughs> and there's blockchain involved. Equilateral triangle. I should know that from my remote <laughs> learning. So there's only so much room at the top. So all of your priorities can fit in it. But your top priorities, that's a smaller space. And what is at the top? And I think this is something you need to revisit again and again. I am currently involved in two organizations that I am passionate about. I have come to realize that I cannot be equally involved in both of them. And so I need to decide and it's quite clear to me which one of these two things is higher on my triangle. It's taking the top spot. Mm. And that means I have to let go and say no and stop being involved in the second organization, even though I am kind of a leader in that organization. And I realize that without me, that organization will likely cease to exist, which causes me some heartache. But guess what? I have to make choices in my life to be happy. And I cannot be everywhere at once, as Hamilton says. No, that's George Washington, but it's in the Hamilton soundtrack. And so I think when you're clear on what your priorities are, it also helps your no. So like it's a no if it's getting in the way of what's at the top of my triangle. This is a big episode for us. I forgot to even say this at the beginning, but I'm going to say it now because it relates to this whole topic I'm realizing. This is the fourth anniversary of our podcast this episode. <sighs> I had no idea. Happy anniversary. I should have made you a cake. Happy anniversary. The fourth anniversary is what? Copper? I have no idea. <laughs> Plants? 
I don't know. We should look it up. But the reason that that's totally germane to this is shortly before we started working together, which is now like four and a half years ago. Hard to believe. Crazy. We're getting old. I had sat down. I was, I had a collaboration that was fine. It was, I was having a hard time saying no. I was spending more and more time doing something that was mostly serving the other person in this partnership, I thought, because the partnership was serving the other person's goals. They weren't necessarily goals I had. They weren't goals I hated. They just weren't my goals. You see what I'm saying? And I was subsuming more and more of myself to creating content that I didn't really I wasn't that excited about. And so I managed to extricate myself from that. And I thought, how do I, you know, the next partnership, and I do like having a partnership, my next partnership is going to be, is going to have this, it's going to have that, it's going to be this. And I was very clear about what I was looking for. And I swear to God, you called me less than a week later and said, like, so what's up? So what do you think if we did a podcast together? <laughs> And I was so shocked because it was just like the universe just anviling it into my lap, right? And like, and this is what I'm looking for. I wanted to work with a woman. I wanted to make something funny. I wanted to make something useful. Like, and it just was, yeah, I do want to do this. And it was the easiest yes I ever had, I think, besides when my beloved got down on one knee in Cold Spring, New York. I mean, it's a very parallel. <laughs> I asked you to enter into a meaningful partnership involving a lot of children. I mean, we didn't know it was going to lead to what it has led to at all. Okay, I think it's time to ask, who do you like more, me or your husband, David? I mean, let's just be clear. <laughs> I think you and I talk it out more than I do with my husband. I've never left an omelet pan to soak in your sink, so think carefully about this answer. No, and you and I all the time talk about, like, is this a priority of ours, of our brand? Is this what we want to do? And we're getting better and better at shaping what we do want to do and leaving aside the things maybe that we don't. But this is just a perfect example of my knowing what my yes was going to be when I saw it. And also knowing that saying yes to doing a full-time job podcast that we do three episodes a week and, you know, it takes a lot of resources and not for nothing. It's not the easiest way in the world to make money. So it's front-loaded opportunity to right. make a lot of content, you know, where you're not really sure if it's going to be successful or not. And but at a certain point, you just have to understand, OK, if I take on a podcast, then I'm not going to probably work on this book project that I had in mind. Right. If I take this on, I will have to adjust this. And in the same way that, like, as I take on projects outside the podcast, I have to check in with you and say, like, hey, this is going to be taking some bandwidth for me for this number of months. Like, how does that affect what we're doing together? You have to make decisions that reflect your actual priorities. And I think sometimes we skip the phase of what are my priorities. And so people, this is why people get into the thing of like, well, my kid is taking Mandarin class and is on the travel soccer team and is doing these other eight things. And I wanted to have family dinners, but we're not able to do it because there's not enough time. It's like, Figure out your triangle. Like if family dinners are actually at the top, you're going to have to cut down some activities. We can't actually have all the things that we want. And that involves saying no to some things. And if we don't develop that skill, we end up in this like soup of chaos where every we're just trying to do all the things and not doing anything really well and ending up in a place of unbelievable stress. And I think when you realize the consequences of saying yes to too many things, it actually makes it a lot easier to say no. Yes. I heard a, a man say this a long time ago that like, I can't remember something at work. And it's like, you are stealing money and time from my family by asking me this. And I was like, wow, like, that's a real male thing to say. What? Like, yeah. you are taking whatever it was someone having a fight or something. I can't remember. It's probably a reality show. But basically, I was like, that's never how we think. And my I've said this before, my ex would say to me, pay yourself for your own time. So when people ask you to do stuff like what is your day rate? You know, if your rate is $50 an hour, are you willing to give that person $250 by going and helping them move for five hours and you don't know them that well? Like mm. you have to reformulate in your own mind what your own worth is so that you stop saying yes, because it's going to make people like you. Right. And joy is a benefit. Like if somebody asked me to move who makes me laugh like nobody else in the world, I'm probably going to go do that. But <laughs> Oh, I'm just going to put this out there. I'm done helping anyone move. <laughs> Get a truck, people. We're middle-aged now. Like, there's no more helping you move. If it's like a blockchain, you know, tycoon, maybe. 
I had a friend in LA who bought a pickup truck and I was like, that purchase basically just says I am available to help you move. Yeah. Like, and I definitely called him like 10 times and I thought, you know, I got to get a TV from Costco. Come help me, you know, but no. It's like pick my brain made literal in the world, right? It's a thing. And I will say this too, because I was thinking it earlier. Categories is another good way to do this. We talk about a lot about like, you know, spaces and places and like we have spaces and places where we don't use screens. We have spaces and places where we sit down as a family. Spaces and places for no is helpful too. I don't volunteer on the PTA and I've done it once. I wasn't good at it. I don't do class mom. I don't do bake sales. So there are certain things I know I don't do. And I'm involved in this school in other ways and I help with things, but I have entire categories of things that I know are a no. It's decide once too, you know? Yeah. This is a no for me. When people I don't know call to ask to pick my brain about something, maybe that's a no for me. You know, when this person asks me to do something, I say yes (laughs) once every six times because they ask me a lot, you know, and I think the more you can make fundamental decisions. And I don't want to sound like a jerk. I do help a lot with my kids' school. I just mean there are realms of things that I'm like, I know I don't want to be on committees because I don't do well on committees. The decoration committee, no one wants me there. I'm not helpful. I'm annoying. I'm terrible at it. Well, yeah. So realms, fears of things that I know I'm not a good fit for. And you have other volunteer things that you are deeply, deeply involved with, and you can't also do the school well, but as we were saying a couple of weeks ago, like, thank God some people do make that a priority and do run the school. Oh, thank God. And I think that it's wrong to be like, I'm not going to be involved with school stuff at all. That's wrong. I have decided for myself, committees, no events. Yes. So any event, if you need me to come sell books, if you need me to come dress as a Canadian for International Day, anything you need me to do, I will participate in events, but I don't want to join committees. So like, OK, that seems fair to me. I think you solved it. Oh, we solved it. We saw, I could talk about this for 10 hours. It's something I've thought about so much in my life. And I think it's something that I have legit gotten better at by thinking a lot about it. I'm going to try this keeping track thing. I'm going to try to say no three times this week. And I'm going to note the requests as they come in and how I feel about them and pick three to say no to. Amy's going to start shouting no at me in all of our meetings that I'm going to be really annoyed. <laughs> I was like, don't, no, 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 don't ask her. No, no, don't ask her. No way. No, no. Stay away. We want to know, guys, how this is going for you. If you are a yeser, if you are a knower, if you have tips and tricks, come to facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. You can join our community where everyone is talking about the episodes and talking about their lives and giving each other really, really solid advice and being funny. We're also on Instagram and Pinterest at whatfreshhellcast, and we're on Twitter at WFH podcast. And you can read all of Catherine O'Brien's. Oh my gosh, Catherine Ridgeway O'Brien. We see you. 650 studies. You can read them all at whatfreshhellpodcast.com and they will be in the show notes for the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Guys, go out there and start shouting no in the faces (laughs) of strangers. We hear you. We love you. Bye. Talk to you next time. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.